Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. Are you ready for the word this morning? Although, all and those of you that are cheering now that after you said you didn't want me to preach. Um, after last week, we, we finished up our, our series on purpose. And although we finished it up, we, we're, we're going to continue on with one more message regarding purpose. And I think it's just so appropriate that we're talking about purpose and we were doing a series on purpose as we're coming into the Christmas season. Because no other singular life was lived as focused as Jesus's was. No other life was lived with such laser focus like Christ. And yet no other life changed art. No other life changed agriculture, changed even architecture. No other, no other uh, life affected music and the arts as much as the life of Jesus did. That one life was able to transform so many things. And how did he do it? He lived a life of purpose. And this morning, if you would stand with me as we open our Bibles to John chapter 12. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, that's all right. Or you don't have your iPhone application or Android application. It's on the screen for you. And as I mentioned, no other life, nobody's life affected the world like Jesus because no other life was lived as focused from life, from birth to death as Jesus's was. And as you turn to the book of John, you're going to find that as Jesus is entering in to the city of Jerusalem on the Passion Week, as he's entering in on this, this donkey, all of a sudden people are calling out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're taking palm branches and they're laying it down in front of the donkey as Jesus is walking in. And as they're coming in, the whole city is in an uproar because the king is entering the city. Now you might be asking, Pastor, why are you talking about the cross when we're supposed to be talking about the cradle? You cannot separate the cross from the cradle. Because Jesus came to this earth for the cross, and we cannot separate the cradle from the cross, or the cross from the cradle. They are joined together. Why? Because Jesus came to die. And so as Jesus is entering in the city, the people are wanting to make him king. And I want, want you to read with me, starting in verse 27 of the book of John. If you're there, say Amen. Read with me. It says, now my soul is deeply troubled. You're, you're good. You're, you're a little slow, but you're worth waiting for on this one, okay? I want you to capture this. Re read that first part. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Come on, read it again. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Well, what, what do you mean your soul is deeply troubled? At no other point of your life have you had people cheering your name. Jesus is walking into the city, on the, or riding on into the city on a donkey. People are cheering his name, waving palm branches. They want to make him king. And if any one of us were to be riding in on that situation, we would think we made it. 
We've accomplished our goal. And look at this. We've arrived. And yet, what man would be excited to have people do for them, Jesus is troubled at. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? You see, we all love the promise, but we hate the process. You know, we want the promises of God, but we don't like the process that it takes us through. And Jesus had to go to the cross in order to accomplish his purpose. And he says, Father, save me from this hour. But this is the very reason. Everyone say reason. reason. This is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to notice the city is in an uproar. They're calling out Jesus' name. And they want to make the Son of God the King of Israel. And as they're calling his name out, Jesus comes riding in. And he goes from elation to depression. Well, not depression, but his soul's troubled. He's bothered by what's going on. And I want you to understand something of what's taking place here. The city of Jerusalem wants to make Jesus the king of Israel. But Jesus knew from the moment that he was born that he had a destiny upon his life. He lived his life so focused that he knew where he was going. And he would not allow himself to be distracted by a good thing. I need you to understand what happens here. As the people are calling out, they want to make him king. Jesus recognized, listen, if I take your promotion, that would actually be a demotion for me. If I become the king of Israel, I have to step back down from being king of the universe. I'm the king of kings and I'm the Lord of lords. And you want me to step down and take this position on earth. I need you to understand, why did Jesus turn it down? Is because he knew his purpose. And when you know your purpose in life, you might get a good job offer, but still turn it down. You might have a beautiful woman want to marry you, but still turn her down. You might have a handsome young man want to connect with you, but you still turn them down. Why? Because they're not going where you're going. Too many times we connect with people because they're nice people, but they're not heading in the same direction. Jesus was able to recognize what made his life so powerful was the fact he knew what his destination was. He knew that on the way to the cross, he couldn't allow himself to be distracted. And I want you to recognize Jesus also understood this principle. People can't make you what you already are. People can't make you what you already are. You're trying to make me a king. I'm already a king. You got individuals that are offering you things. If you take it from man, they could take it away from you. You take it from God, only God can promote you. Come on, somebody. See, the power of purpose, and I want you to check this out and listen very closely to me. The power of purpose grants its owner... It grants its owner the confidence to say no to the good in order to embrace the best. 
I might have a great job opportunity here, but is it taking me closer to my purpose? I might have a great opportunity over here, but is it taking me closer to my purpose? The Jesus is on his way to the cross. People are trying to make him king, but he understands that's a distraction from what my call is. And I need you to understand, until you under and know what your purpose in is, is in life, you will end up embracing the good at the expense of the best. But when you know your call, you have the ability and you know your purpose, you have the ability to say no to that which is good in order to embrace the best. And you have the confidence and not trip about it. You got people around you judging. You say, well, what are you doing? How, how can you turn down that promotion? It's not my call. How, how can you turn down that, that opportunity? That's not where I'm going. And sometimes we get distracted in life because we take good opportunities that aren't God opportunities. And we got to know the difference based on your purpose. So what, what am I telling you this morning? Jesus lived such a focused life because in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, over 800 years before Jesus was born, this was prophesied about him. For a child is born unto us and a son is given to us. The government, everyone say government. The government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Before he was even born, 800 years before, God knew the purpose of why Jesus was coming. Can I submit this to you? Before you were even created or thought of by your mom and dad, God already had a design and a plan and a purpose on your life. I don't know if you're grabbing this this morning. God knew what your plan was before the foundations of the earth. God had already designed you. I need you to understand that to God, to God, time is an interruption of eternity. God is not, he, he is not affected by time. God exists outside of time. He only created time when he said, in the beginning, let there be light. Up to that point, there was no time. God didn't just create the earth. He created beginnings. He didn't just create beginnings. He created time. And you need to recognize God created time. He's not ruled by it. Some of you didn't catch that. that that's why when you're tripping out, God, how come you haven't shown up yet? Lord, you're supposed to be here. I, I need this thing taken care of by Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Why haven't you shown up yet? God, where are you at? God doesn't move according to Kronos. God moves according to Karyos. Kronos is man's time. Karyos is God's time. Fullness of time. God moves according to the fullness when everything is right according to his purpose. So let me take you somewhere worth this. Then the angel Gabriel shows up to Mary and he announces this. Look, a virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Everyone say Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. Do you understand that Jesus recognized every time they called his name, he knew a God is with us. Every time his name was mentioned, God is with us. Whenever they said Jesus, which means Savior, he knew they, they were calling him, Savior, come here. Savior, throw out the trash. Savior, clean your room. Savior, take the goats out. Savior, go get some water. Every time Jesus' name was mentioned, it reinforced his purpose because his name reflected his purpose. 
Oh, come on, somebody. You imagine living a life so purposed that every time someone called your name, it reinforced who you were and why you were here? See, I want you to understand it in this way. Jesus was born on purpose and lived for a purpose, and everything he did was based on what the Father, he saw the Father do. John chapter 5, verse 19. Check this out. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The Son can only do, can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Let me, let me explain something to you. Look, look at this statement that we have on the screen here. Purpose determines demand. Everyone say that. Okay, three of you, good job. The rest of you, join with me and say this. Purpose determines demand. I want you to recognize this. Let, let, me, let me show you something, okay? What's this? A drill. What does a drill do? You're good. Hence its name. Drill means it drills, okay? What's this? Screwdriver. What's it do? You guys are good. Why? Because the name reflects its purpose. This does what this does. They are both created, in essence, to do the same job. The difference is the creator or the manufacturer created this with the purpose, which means the purpose that this was created for, I have the right to place a demand on it. And that demand is that when I pick it up, I expect it to be able to tighten and to loosen a screw. It's called a tool. It's why I bought it. And so your purpose determines a demand. And so when demand is placed on it, you can't get mad because a demand is placed. It can't, it can't start yelling at me when I start getting ready. No, you can't use me for that. Yeah, I can. That's why you were created. No, no, I don't want to do that. I want to be an ice pick. And I know some of y'all have used it for that before, too. But the designer created it with a purpose in mind. And based on that purpose, that purpose determines the demand that can be placed on it. And that demand also creates a potential. So when I know what this is for, I have the ability to, to, to call out the potential that's in it. Are you following me? Yes. Now, although this was created for that, you know what this is for. This is much more functional. This might cost a couple dollars. This might cost over $100. And so because it costs more, I can place more demand on it. Come on, somebody. Yeah. I can place more demand and expect more potential out of this. 
They might be created to do the same thing, but because this is more expensive, more technology has gone into it, it has more capability, more potential. This can only screw. This can drill. It can turn into a hammer, a hammer drill as well, an impact driver. And so at the same way, I need you to recognize that although this does what that does, this one was created with more demand and more potential. I guarantee you that's the first time you ever cheered for a drill in church. <laughs> Do you understand that you were created in the image of God? That when God formed man, he poured himself into mankind. You were not just created by God, you were created of God. You are not just a simple screwdriver that just takes care of a simple screw. God took time to design you, to plan you, to mold you, to shape you, and he placed a demand and a potential that rests in you. And yet we're just happy. This is all we do with our lives. Go to work, come home, Eat, watch TV, go to bed, get up the next morning, get up, go to work, eat, go to bed, get up the next morning, eat, get up, go to bed. Okay, actually get up and then eat. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And this is all we're doing. But you were created for more than that. There's, there's more potential. And that's why some of you get mad. Why do these people keep calling me all the time? Have you ever noticed that people that have problems are always coming to you? Like, why, do I have a sign on my forehead that says, ask me a question? <laughs> Problem fixer? No. Does the drill get mad because I keep using it? to make holes or to drill things in or, or, or to put things together? Does it get mad for that? No, because that's what it was created for. People are placing a demand on your life because they see that God has placed something in you to be able to meet those needs. And you're getting ticked off. Why did God design me this way? And what's sad is everyone else recognizes your design but you. I mean, I tell you what, this would be a great paperweight. It works. But that's not what it was designed for. And there's some of us today that are, that are just getting through life, doing things. You're, you're accomplishing it. You might be even good at it. Look at that. It's amazing. Those papers aren't going anywhere. And you look at your life, man, I'm amazing. Look at me. Watch me sit here. I'm a great church member. I'm here every Sunday. And I appreciate you coming. Don't get me wrong. But look at me.
What do you do? I'm here. <laughs> what else do you do? I'm here. Jesus said, go back to the scripture we had read earlier in John. Actually, uh, at the very beginning, check this out. Jesus said, for this reason, John 12, 27, 28, for this reason I came. Father, bring what? Bring what? Father, bring what? Father, bring what? Come on. Father, bring what? It is the glory of a bird to fly. It is the glory of a fish to swim. It's the glory of a plant to grow. It's the glory of the sun to shine. It's the glory of the moon to reflect the sun. It's the glory of a star to twinkle in the sky. Why? Because when it does what it was created for, God gets glory. What Jesus is saying, I'm going to do what I was called to do. And when I do what I was created to do, you get glory as a result of what I'm doing. Listen to me. It's not the song that you sing that gives God praise. God gets more glory out of a life that does what it was created for than any song you'll ever sing. What am I telling you? Stop being a paperweight. And start living the purpose by which God created you. God gets glory when you live the design. So with that in mind, we're going to bring this down really fast here. I want you to recognize something. Jesus had three things when he talked about purpose. First thing I want you to notice is this. When Jesus noticing purpose, determined purpose determined all his decisions. See, Jesus knew what his purpose was, and so that already answered all the other issues in life. See, many of us are making decisions because we don't know where we're going. If I know I'm going to Disneyland, then I know what road to take and what turns to make. But if I head down south, I-5, and then when I get to I-5, I keep going and passing Anaheim and jump on the 10, now I'm heading out towards Arizona. I may want to get to Disneyland, but if I'm not paying attention to the directions and making the right decisions, it doesn't matter what my intentions are. I need you to understand, you cannot separate your decision from your destiny. Every decision you make affects your destiny. Every decision you make today affects your tomorrow. You are a product where you're at right now educationally, where you're at maritally, where you're at fi- financially, where, you are at, where you're at physically right now. You are a product of the decisions you made yesterday. You can't complain about where you're at if you haven't made better decisions. And when people call and say, Pastor, listen, I, I need you to pray because, you know, I'm in the doctor right now. I got four clogged arteries and so forth. We got to rebuke the enemy. No, we don't have to rebuke the enemy. We got to rebuke the fork. I need God to move in my finances because we're, we're, we're all messed up. You know, and you, just, you got the box sitting out front of the new 90-inch television that you put on layaway. We, we're, our decisions impact who we are today. 
Jesus recognized he couldn't separate his decisions today from his destiny tomorrow. Every choice Jesus made was predicated on his purpose. And when we don't know what our purpose is, it gets us off track. I need you to recognize this, is that his purpose eliminated his need to sin. Oh, come on, somebody. See, fo follow me. Why was Jesus coming for? Why was Jesus coming? Come on, work with me. Why was Jesus coming? Die. To die, okay? And in order for Jesus to die and for his life to be a sacrifice for all of mankind, Jesus had to be sinless. Follow me. Which means from the moment that he's born, as he's walking, and when temptation came up against him, Jesus had already determined, I will not give in to temptation because it will steal my destiny from me. Until you know where you're going, you're never going to be able to make decisions as far as sin, as what, what, what is right and what is wrong. Jesus lived a powerful life because when sin came up, he had already made the choice because he had already accepted his destiny. When you accept your destiny... You eliminate sin. L listen to me. When I said yes to my wife, and I placed a ring upon her finger, and she placed one on mine, we made a covenant with one another. I removed, at that moment, I removed any chance of affairs. Well, how did you do that, Pastor Dan? Because I made a choice. I made a commitment. What, what, it's possible it could happen to you. No, you know what I've done is I've put, I, I, I've built things into our relationship to keep those things from happening. I don't counsel women by myself. If they come to the office, the door's always open. There's always someone in the office when it's taking place. I don't go meet women by myself. I don't, if you see me alone with a woman at lunch somewhere, you know something's up because I don't do that. Why? Because I've placed things. I've made the decision based on my destiny with my wife in those things. Are you following me? And so you've got to wreck. Jesus made his decisions based on his purpose. Secondly, Jesus determined who his purpose determined who he spent time with. His company reflected his purpose. And Jesus risked isolation by religious leaders because of who he spent time with. Jesus was secure enough not to be swayed by others' opinions. See, according to the book of Luke 19.10, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those that were lost. Look at who Jesus spent time with, okay? Priorities, or as far as spending time. Jesus spent time first with God, then his disciples, then the multitudes, and then the sinners. In fact, he spent so much time with the sinners... The people had, a tr had trouble with them. The religious people got mad at them. But listen to me. Those of you that say, well, I'm like Jesus. That's why I'm always hanging out with the sinners. <laughs> That's why I'm at the club all the time, Pastor. I'm trying to reach some folk. That's why I'm at the bar all the time. I'm trying to reach some folk. Listen, if that's what you're doing, hey, more power to you. But I got a question for you. Before you spend time there, have you spent time with him? Why was Jesus able to walk into those environments? Because of the fact he had spent so much time with his father, 
He became like his father, that he went into those environments and he was able to affect the environment rather than being infected by it. The reason you go to the club and all of a sudden find yourself drinking, then you find yourself dancing, then you find yourself lusting, then you wake up with this woman or this guy that you don't even know their name and you wonder, God, how did I blow it? It's because of this. You went into an environment that you weren't able to change or affect because you had not yet spent time with God. Who you spend time with shows your purpose. Jesus spent time first with his father. Then he spent time with the outcasts, the prostitutes, the sinners, the tax collectors. You know, when you know your purpose, you don't trip on what people say about you. You know, when people criticize you, you know you're doing something. Because they never criticize people doing nothing. It's gotten quiet in here. All right. Third thing as we close, worship team, will you help me this morning? Purpose determined his priorities. Purpose determined his, this one's a difficult one, okay? Reason why is because this deals with loved ones. Sometimes loved ones try to stop us from pursuing our purpose. They mean well, but they love us so much that they're trying to protect us. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, you know, who, who do they say that I am? And Peter steps up and says, some say that, they, that, that you're Elijah. Some say that you're, that you're uh, John the Baptist. Some say that you're this. And then Jesus stops him and says, who do you say that I am? And when Jesus asks, Peter steps up and he responds with this. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus steps up and looks at Peter, his friend, who he's been with for three years, and says, Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but only my Father, which is in heaven. And upon, this, upon, that, upon that confession, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You imagine Peter with the other 11 disciples right there. They're high-fiving him. They're hitting him. He's like, yeah, I, I, I said that. Yeah, that's right. I, told, I, I, I nailed that, you know. I always knew he was a Christ. And so they're all, he's, he, he's filled up. He's, he, he said something that everyone's excited about. Then Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to be given up to where I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be bruised. I'm going to be killed. But three days later, I'll rise again. When Peter heard that, hey, I just made the biggest declaration of faith ever made in the word. I got this, guys. Let me take care of this. So here's Jesus heading to his purpose. And Peter steps in front of Jesus and tells him, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. Not on my watch. Can't let that happen to you. You're the Christ. You're the one we've waited for. And Jesus responds to the one he loves with this statement. Get behind me, Satan. What? Get behind me, Satan. Who are you calling Satan? 
You just got done telling me I made the greatest confession of faith ever. Now you're calling me Satan? That's a hard one. Jesus tells his student, his brother, a man he's walked with, talked with, uh, the man that he healed his mother-in-law. Now he's telling him, get thee behind me. Why? Because Jesus valued his purpose over relationship. Oh, you, you're, not, you're not catching that. He valued his destiny more than anything. Because he could have appeased Peter, but missed his purpose. And many times we, we find ourselves trying to appease people. And we miss out on the plan, the plan that God has for our lives. See, I, I remember... Hang out there for a second. I, I remember a time when I, when I came out of Bible college and I got a call from, from my old youth pastor, Steve Perea, to come work with him in Manteca. At the time, the church was only running about 25 people in Manteca. He wanted me to become his youth pastor. I had just left a church of about 800 in, in Tucson, Arizona, was there a year, and got fired. Yeah, I got fired. And I came home, came home, and Steve offered me the job to come work with him in Manteca. And Manteca was a little, I didn't even know where Manteca was. I got there, and I, you know, but, but I wanted to work with him. Your brother had blown up the youth ministries in, in San Jose. He was running larger crowds than some of the big churches here in San Jose. He was running 150, 200 young people at a church that only had 150 people in it. He had more people on Friday night than the church had on Sunday morning. They were blowing it up, and I thought, you know, I want to work with you. I, I, I feel that there's a connection here. And so I made the decision to go work with, with Steve. And I remember when I was getting ready to do it, my dad pulled me aside and said, hey, let's get together. And so we sat down and we had lunch, and my dad tells me this. He goes, Mijo, I don't think you're making a good decision. You just went to four years of college to go work at a church this size? I don't, it's, town is tiny. You don't want to go there. You, 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 that, that's not where you, you want to end up. You, you got to look for something else. You got to do something else. Hold on. The other opportunities will hold on. And here I am talking to my dad who loves me. But I know my destination. And he's telling me, no, that's not the way to go. But I know in my heart that God has called me to go to this place. And I feel it. I know in my spirit that's where I'm supposed to be. And so as I'm looking at my dad, I said, Dad, do you trust the God in me? Do you trust the God that I serve, that, that you taught me to follow after? Do, do you trust that I hear him when he speaks? Do you trust that I know when I hear the voice of God? And he said, yeah. And then I said this, Dad, I know where I'm going. I didn't tell my dad, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> he would have backhanded me. But I need you to understand, in every one of our lives, we come to a get thee behind me moment. Where that on your way to purpose, 
on your way to your plan, there are going to be people that you love that are going to say, no, it's going to be too hard. Medical school might be too hard. It's too much to try to go after. There's too much that you're trying to do, trying to accomplish this, this business. The business closed once. You don't want to go after this again. Why are you going to subject yourself to this? Don't do it. Stay right there. Don't, don't Just stay in Hawaii. Don't come back home. What are people going to say about you? Stay right there. You can't start a ministry see what happened in your life the things that happened stay right where you are don't you got too many medical problems and issues stay where you are but I need you to understand there comes a time in your life where you got to get the get the behind me moment because it's about purpose he said get thee behind me Satan In your life, you're going to have two kinds of people that when you tell them to get behind you, they're either going to stab you in the back or they're going to push you forward. I wanted to push you through there. Mm. The moment I told my dad... He got behind me. And you know what? I wouldn't be here in San Jose today if I didn't, if I listened to my father's advice. My dad hears from God, but the problem is this. He loves me. He loves me. And he didn't want me to go through rough times. I was working at a check cashing store in the fields of Patterson, California, while working as a youth pastor at the church. And all the field workers were coming in, and I don't speak Spanish. And I'm trying to cast checks and trying to figure out the percentage for these people, Didn't have, sitting in a little cubicle by myself eight hours a day. And I'm sitting there with no one around thinking, I graduated for college for this. God, is this what I came here for? Why am I here? If I had given up, if I had walked away to what was easy, you wouldn't be here right now. CWC wouldn't be here right now. And the church in Manteca that I'm proud to say I helped build to over 1,500 before we left. You have a purpose. Listen to me. You have a purpose. God places a purpose on your life and a demand And that demand determines potential. So he sends his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. But he doesn't just send him to die. He sends him to where he lives a sinless life and dies. But that's not enough. That's not where God stops. You see, whatever God sends you for, he puts the potential inside you as well. God did not place the potential for Jesus to die. 
He placed the resurrection and the life inside him. Jesus isn't just have resurrection and life. He is resurrection and life. Are you following me? Every single funeral Jesus ended up at, he blew it by raising the dead person. Why? Because he's the resurrection and the life. Every time he ran into a blind person, he healed them. Every deaf person ended up hearing. Why? Because it wasn't what he did. It's who he was. And I look around this room and I see potential all over this room. But until you find your purpose, you will never be able to release the potential that's in you. Because when you know your potential, your purpose, you'll know the demands and you can release your potential. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, we're grateful. We're grateful, my God, because you didn't just haphazardly create us. You created us with a design, a plan, a purpose before we were even formed in our mother's womb. Lord, we speak right now to every person in this place right now. I call out destiny. For those frustrated with the daily life, I call out destiny right now. But pastor, I'm 45 years old, I'm 50 years old, I'm 60 years old. Doesn't matter. Your ignorance or your past cannot wipe out or void the plan of God for your life. It might have delayed it, but it will not void it. And so I speak to the purpose in you. You're here right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.